The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina, and I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? I uh, couldn't be better. I've got my Saturday polo on. You guys can't see it, but it's this very flashy dinosaur Sharp. colored shirt. Yeah, uh, looking <laughs> great. I've got a, a cream ale from the local microbrewery called, uh, it's called President. The brewery's called Presidential. This is their Calvin Creamage. Nice. Because uh, it's cream ale. Uh, dog. Was not feeling well last night, but she's doing great now, so I don't have to go to the emergency vet. Huge plus. Glad to hear that. And I got, to hear that. And I got a hot date with the wife at the hot tub spa uh, later this afternoon. So wow. I'm, living, I'm living life to the fullest today. I am jealous. You really are living life. Here I am sitting in my basement in Staten Island waiting for Hurricane Henri to make its a path that's going straight to Long Island. Uh, and so we got uh, lots of batteries and, and lanterns set up just in case. But speaking of lanterns and kind of like camping equipment, how was your camping trip last week? Weren't you away last weekend camping in the wilds of Michigan? Yeah, yep. I was at a place called Tippy Dam in northern Michigan in Manistee Forest. Uh, it was it was beautiful. We we found this ideal part, uh, this ideal camp spot that was right over the dam. Uh, usually it's the kind of thing that like you have to, to get that spot for the weekend. Usually you have to show up on like Wednesday wow, and stay for the whole time that because popular, you can't reserve yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And we got lucky. We were driving by, everything was full and this super nice guy that was at the site, he goes, Oh, are you guys looking for a site? We're leaving in an hour or two. So we, you know, he kind of let us park nearby and we went on some hikes. So we weren't just lurking, but we picked up the spot. It was it was beautiful. I mean, we didn't. I, I I wish I could say we did all these like great fun adventure hiking. Uh, no, we made fires, uh, ate campfire food, um, <laughs> played some board games, uh, played some ladder ball. But it was great. It, it was it was beautiful. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been camping. I, I told you we used to do a father son camping trip where, at one point, we had like at its peak eighty people going right, and we had one main campsite Fridays. You'd have somebody cooking sauce and meatballs all day. <laughs> and Friday we'd have you know pasta and stuff like that. Saturdays we'd deep fry turkeys and filet mignon and, and all kinds of stuff and lots of Texas Hold'em games and nothing like being in the outdoors with uh, you know your friends and family if if they're there. And uh, so I'm glad you had a great time. Oh yeah, me too. It just it was it was great and it was 
it was really nice to just kind of get away for a little bit. I will say, uh, as we transition to talking baseball, it gave me a reminder of like what it's like to just, what it's like to just sort of, uh, to lose your groove. I was cruising in ladder ball. And then all of a sudden I couldn't hit the thing. <laughs> I couldn't hit anything to save my life. I went like, I'd go like three or four sets in a row. Could not get anything on the ladder. Uh, if you don't know ladder ball, it's a game with the two balls with a, you know, attached by string. You throw mm-hmm. it at some, at like this ladder, basically try to get it to loop around. I totally lost it. And it was so lost that I was no longer able to fix it oh, until man. I just walked away for a while. Yeah. I basically had to be sent to triple a <laughs> to figure out what the heck I was doing before I could play again. It was, it was embarrassing, demeaning, but uh, it helped, you know, walked away, came back. I was able to like, look like I knew how to play the game, but that's the thing about these games where like the smallest tweak, all of a sudden something was off and I couldn't even figure out what it was. It was horrible. They- what do they call it? Like, yeah, you got the yips, a case of the yips, it right? The, like, I wish it was the yips, right? Like it was, it wasn't even the same problem. Every throw it wasn't like I was always throwing it short. It'd be like right. short and then way over and then to the left. Oh, it's horrible. Well, you know, we, we haven't spoken in a while. So real quick, feel the dreams, uh, baseball games. Did you watch it? I, I did. I watched parts of it. It was kind of mm-hmm. on in the background. I was doing yeah, some yeah. other stuff. Um, it was a cool production. I think major league baseball needs more stuff like this, yeah. not necessarily more fields of dreams. Like they don't need to do it like a bunch of these in the season, but mm-hmm. more stuff like this, mm-hmm. more, more fun events. Like, yeah, the oh, ticket yeah. prices for it were outrageous, but like you, you want to like the, this is like the world we live in today is all about events, yes. about special events. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and this was one of them. This yes. was something special. I mean, I thought, it sort of reminded me of what the NHL did with some of their outdoor classics mm-hmm, where they were mm-hmm. having those, uh, those games that were outdoors, like in the snow and they were beautiful and it was awesome. And I don't right. even like, I'm not a huge hockey guy, but I'd watch those yeah, yeah. Uh, same for field of dreams games. It was like the most watched regular season baseball game in, yeah. in a very long time. And it's because you gave people a reason to watch besides the teams. I mean, yeah. you, me, the, you know, the handful of people listening to this, we'll watch baseball whenever. Yeah, but if you want to get more people involved, you give them a reason, like a mm-hmm. Field of Dreams game. I tell you, what an event! I mean, uh, you know, obviously I'm a Yankee fan, so it was awesome to see my team play. But just when the players just walked out from the the cornfield, you just get goosebumps. I mean, and it was an event, right? I mean, and to me, it's even it was even a more special event than the All Star game. You know, to me, the All Star game is getting a little stale a little bit, but this was something special, and they're going to have another one. I think the Cubs are going to play the Reds next year. We'll see if it can maintain the aura that it had, like second time around. But I'll, you know, definitely, definitely watch. But a lot of fun. So, uh, just real quick, if uh, you know you want to go out with your your son and throw the ball around, do you play catch or have a catch? Oh, we we play catch. Okay. We do it the right way. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's a game. <laughs> I think either one will work, you know, but uh, OK, that's fine. So uh, Yankees, man, we got to talk about my Yankees for a couple of minutes. One of the hottest teams in baseball. We got Andrew Velasquez, a uh, shortstop who grew up in the Bronx, getting some big hits, making good defensive plays. Obviously, the addition of Anthony Rizzo and, and Joey Gallo at the tread dead, deadline. Uh, helps provide some balance to the Yankee lineup. It's not as right-handed as it once was. You got Nesta Cortez filling in nicely in the starting rotation. Jamison Tayon really coming on of late. It's a lot of fun being a Yankee fan right now. Yeah, how about that that AL East? This is mm. not what we expected to happen. 
Yankees are in the driver's seat for what it's worth for the AL wild card. Yeah. Um, but of course there's three teams all within half of a game of each other mm-hmm. and you know, don't look now, but look at the Mariners. They're only four games back. Yeah. Uh, Toronto five and a half games back and they've got, uh, you know, they're playing the Tigers right now. Uh, I mean, they did lose last night, which is a bummer for them, but um, it, it's, it's quite a division. Yeah. Um, it- and so, you know, good for them. I think it's, it's weird to see like such a contrast between now and earlier this year where they looked like they couldn't win a game. If you know, if the other team only had eight guys, right? Well, uh, start of the season, I predicted that the Yanks would win 89 games and it looks like they might eclipse it by a little bit, you know, but look, I, you know, I've been watching baseball for a long time as you have, and you know, Yankees weren't as bad as they, seemed early in the season they're not as good as they are playing right now but it sure is making for uh, a lot of fun you know uh this season so oh another thing i wanted to talk to you and i know we're you know we'll get to the nitty-gritty we're going to go over uh players who are not rostered in as many leagues as they should that we think that could help you as you try to win your fantasy baseball championship but i wanted to talk about what happened with the tops and the baseball licensing agreement i know you're an avid baseball card collector like what what does it all mean even to your collection and value of cards anything yeah we don't even know yet right i mean i think there's certain things we do know we know that um we know that, of course, Fanatics will be taking over the MLB license here in a couple of years. Uh, it's not immediate, but they'll be taking it over. Uh, we know that um, Tops will now no longer have any licenses for the major sports in the U.S. They'll still retain a soccer license, which is going to be really big. That's a huge, you know, that's a huge market, and they still have like NASCAR and WWE. Um, and there are, you know, there is room in the market for non-licensed product. You know, Panini releases baseball cards every year. The biggest thing is we don't know really what's going to happen to Tops. We know that we're going to start seeing a lot of stuff like this is the last Bowman set that'll, you know, that'll ever be licensed. This is the last flagship that'll ever be licensed. So we'll see how that does for prices. Um, and then the other thing is like Fanatics, the team that took over the license, is also trying to get football. Hmm. And basketball. They're trying to take it over, and they've got a big gambling. They want to take uh, over the world. What are we going to do tomorrow night? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Yeah, well, so they've got gambling money, right? Like Panini, the Tops, they're, they're baseball <laughs> card, like they're, they're card, trading card companies. They can't compete with gambling, hmm. right? Fanatics has these huge licenses with the NFL and these other organizations already because they run a lot of like the team shops for goods mm-hmm. uh and they also have a gambling arm it, it's going to be nuts so uh, i think we're really curious about what the card quality will be from fanatics because this is mm-hmm. not they don't make cards right now right um, i'm worried about what that will mean for retail pricing of mm-hmm. cards tops until very recently had really underpriced their own cards uh, and created this big secondary market. So I wonder what the secondary market for sealed products going to look like when Fanatics takes over. Uh, and I wonder what the distribution will be like. Are they going to make the same deals with like Target, Walmart, a lot mm. of these retail providers? Uh, that's a big question. And I mean, ultimately, like Will Tops die. They, they were really banking on a big merger for their company to stay alive. And without this MLB license, that merger is going to fall through. Mm-hmm. So... Will they even survive? And if they do, what does that look like? Right. So a lot of questions. The one nice thing is that like a card you have today, like 
I've got a whole binder full of basically Tarek Skubal cards. Their value still is tied to the success of Tarek Skubal, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're a vintage tops collector, the loss of the license doesn't impact vintage cards, right? Because those cards are still licensed, right? They still have the team names on them. They've still got the jerseys, right? So that stuff stays in place. It's really all about the future and what's going to happen there. And that's the key about the licensing is that, let's say, if Topps puts out cards after they lose the license, they could put the uh, Detroit, the facade of the picture of the the player, but not the player in in the uniform. Is that the deal? uh, That depends on if the MLBPA gives them a license and, and it'll be interesting to see oh, what the MLBPA okay. does. So like mm-hmm. Panini is a non-licensed company through the MLB, but they have an agreement with the MLBPA. Mm. So they can have a Tarek Skubal card. Right, right. And they'll say he's from Detroit, but they won't say the Tigers because that's MLB property. <laughs> right. And wow. it, it, they'll have his number. Yeah. And they'll have his stats. And they'll have the player in his face and his autograph and maybe a patch of a jersey. They won't have the name Tigers and it's or like a, or the Detroit Tigers symbol. The old English D is not on those cards. Mm-hmm. So like even their game action pictures, they're almost always like facing away from the camera or if it has a helmet, they had to like Photoshop the, the logo off. It's going to be really interesting to see how this works. And of course, you know, it's been easy to know what card sets are the most valuable. Bowman mm-hmm. is the name for prospect cards because it was the licensed one. What's it going to be when Fanatics gets it? Hmm. We don't know how the market's going to react to a lot of their new products. Right, Because right. a lot of the value in Topps products were the historic value. The flagship rookie card was always the rookie card. Mm-hmm. The Whereas there's like maybe another set that's nicer, like a Gypsy Queen. But that's not where the value was because that's a mid-tier set. It's a niche one, whatever. Because that's the sort of where it had been stuck in. Mm-hmm. Fanatics has a wide open opportunity to do whatever the heck they want. Right, right. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with it, what styles they use, what they beg, borrow, and steal from others. Um, what is it? What are printing quality? Like, what's printing quality going to be? Mm-hmm. Like, Fanatics has a chance to either really save the card, like, not save because it's doing well, but to either like really rejuvenate the card industry that's hitting, you know, it was going to come down from the pandemic. They have a chance to either really save it or totally tank it. And I am uh, anxious and excited for what could happen. Yeah, I'm sad because, you know, I grew up, and here here I'm showing you uh, the uh, Topps 1990 792 picture cards complete set. And this is what I grew up with, so I'm kind of sad. But, uh, hey, you know, things change. And uh, Listen, you mentioned uh, Scooble, right? And so he's been, been hot at one point. O two ERA, but uh, you're a little concerned with his future matchups. Uh, yeah, he keeps getting the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, a, it's not rocket science, folks. I love Scooble, but you know, a lefty against the Blue Jays is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about strategy, but like we're starting to get to the point in the season where a player's talent level only matters so much. Mm-hmm. A Max Scherzer is matchup proof. So guys that are matchup proof, we don't care. You just keep plugging them in you keep doing whatever but then you start getting to this mid-range this you know maybe even a little better than streamer you know i'm not saying to bench scuba quite yet because he has been so good lately he's really found that command again and he's able to use those secondaries which is good but you don't have time for stuff to balance out anymore great point you've got you've got a month right if you're looking to make it to the playoffs you've got a few weeks matchups 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 
If you can start a guy, if you can avoid starting a guy against the Blue Jays, you ought to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> if you can start a guy against the Pirates or the Cubs, you ought to do that. Sure. Right? That, again, we'll talk about it more later, but that's really where it's at. As much as I love Scooble, there are leagues, especially shallower ones, where I'll be benching him against the Blue Jays because maybe I'm tight on the playoff bubble and mm-hmm. I can't afford that ERA blow up, or it's like a weekly matchup. It's Friday. I've got a tenuous hold on ERA. I can't afford Scooble getting lit up by Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette because, mm-hmm. you know, as good as Scooble can be, lefties against Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. don't have a ton of success because right. those two guys rake. Yeah. And, you know, it's also the time uh, of the year where if you've been holding on to someone like, uh, you know, if you've been holding on to Trout, we got a little bit of good news. He's starting to run a little bit. But, uh, you know, I I have uh, Luis Severino in a 15-teamer. He's in an IL spot. But at this stage, you know, even if he comes back, is he going to give me, you know, seven innings at a clip? Or is he just going to be like a, a three or four inning kind of guy moving forward? I've had Aaron Savali on an IL in another deep league. Clayton Kershaw might not be coming back. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's a time to start making some hard decisions, no? Absolutely. Um, are you convinced that Severino is going to have three starts? That's the thing. You're right. I'm not. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I think I think we're looking at two. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. you know, this is really a time of year. For example, a, tr- a Mike Trout, mm-hmm. right? Like, Every league, you know, there are leagues that don't have IL spots like NFBC, and that's that's a really tough spot to be, and it's going to depend a lot on where you are, and you know, do you really want to let someone else on a roto league get Mike Trout? So probably not. <laughs> that could probably hurt your standings even as much for a as month. holding yeah, Mike yeah. Trout. But you know, here's the thing: you're in a league, you've got three IL spots, which you should probably have more. I think I think all of us are happier when we have more IL spots, especially and in these days. I, yes, I. Uh, I do not believe in the arguments that fewer IL spots is more strategy. It's just more bad luck. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, that said, you're talking about with a Mike Trout. Do you have two or three other guys with more upside than Mike Trout right now? He is starting to run. Let's say he comes back early to mid September. Three weeks of Mike Trout is probably as good as four to five weeks of anybody sitting on your wire right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's something I want to keep. If there's another setback and we start talking about like two weeks of Mike Trout, then it's like I might not even make it to those last two weeks. Those are playoff weeks. I might not even make it to there. Then you have to start thinking about cutting Mike Trout. But Hmm. right now, with good news, absolutely. With a Severino, it's really going to depend on your situation. Can you make it to those last couple of starts? If so, go ahead, hold him. Make that decision later when someone someone else forces you to take that IL spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and swap them out. But if you're fighting for the playoffs, I think you got to let Sevy go. Yeah. Because those two starts aren't going to do you any good if you don't make it. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the finals, who cares? So uh, I, I think that's that's a really good example of two guys with sort of different spots. I think Trout you have to hold unless you're in the most desperate of situations in a very shallow league. I think with Severino, there's just a limited number of situations where you can really afford to keep him. No yeah. one else is pushing for your IL spots or you have an unlimited IL and um, you feel like you're going to make it. You know, you, you, again, you can keep him on the IL and it's not hurting you, but the moment another player of yours gets hurt, it's going to be tough because waiver wires get weirder in September as teams expand their rosters. Yes. Guys that were playing five days a week, go to four or mm-hmm. three times a week because the rookies come in stuff like that. So I think Severino is a guy that in a lot of leagues, 
unless I'm like really cruising in first and can afford to hold that, probably letting him go. Yeah. And and top offensive players like Trout, like a Tatis who, we, who we've been talking about uh, several weeks where, you know, he's on the IL, he comes back. He, you know, they at least have an opportunity to, once they're healthy, play every single day and get four at-bats. I mean, you know, Trout's not going to sit once he's healthy and available to play, right? And and so, like you said, players like that have a better chance of making a bigger impact in the last four to six weeks of the season. And this is obviously crunch time. But why don't we uh, start breaking down some of the players that uh, you had uh, mentioned in terms of players that really have low rostership but could make a difference over the next uh, four to six weeks. How about the catcher position? Uh, you you talk about uh, Dalton Varsho, and he's uh, available in more than 75% of uh, leagues. He's only rostered in just about 25% of leagues. Yeah, which I don't understand because catcher's not that deep. It's deeper mm-hmm. than we kind of thought it might be, but it ain't that deep, folks. Since the All-Star break, five home runs, three stolen bases, hitting 309, slugging 603, walking a ton, 420 OBP. He's got some up he's got an upcoming road trips uh to Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, which don't scare me one bit. Like it might be a little tough to run. Those teams have done a good job at limiting uh stolen bases, but I just, I guess I don't understand. Like you may, like a lot of teams are probably thinking like, what am I going to do now that I've lost like Eric Haas, who had really been a revelation for a lot of folks. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're one of those guys, Dalton Varsho is the answer, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're one of those folks who is like, man, I really think I could upgrade from uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He's hitting okay, but it's kind of empty batting average. Dalton Varsho is doing what you wanted Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to do, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, you don't have time to be sitting like, well, he's a slightly better true talent catcher. Who cares? You've got like five weeks, right? Dalton Varsho. He's got good matchups coming up. He's hitting the ball well. He's playing as much as really any catcher. Like there's, you know, no one else is Sal Perez, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's playing more often than he, like, you know, more than when he doesn't. And with catcher at this point, you're really, unless you've got this locked in Sal Perez, JT Real Mudo, something like that. You're looking at it like a week at a time, maybe even a series at a time, mm-hmm. right? You're yep. really doing that. And Varsho's got two good series coming up yep. and he's hitting the ball. Well, he's everything you want. And the only reason he's available in so many leagues is because so many people just like, don't like to use their waiver moves on catchers. Right. But Dalton Varsho can be a difference maker for you. Cause he can steal bases, hit for power, hit for average. And if it's an OVP league, his is over 400 since the all-star break. That's a good, yes. that's over a month, mm-hmm. right? What are you doing? He should be rostered in every on-base percentage league right now. There yeah. are not 12 or there are not 11 or 12 better catchers in OBP right now than Dalton Varsho. And even if you need him just as a temporary fill-in for maybe one of your catchers went down, he's uh, eligible in outfield, I believe, as well, right? And in, in a lot of leagues. So uh, take that into consideration as well. Uh, strikeouts down a little bit since the All-Star break. Uh, and uh, I agree with you. Uh, red flag I did notice, which was a little odd, 193 batting average so far this season against right-handed pitching. But let's get a little bit shallower when it comes to catchers. Uh, with, I guess, you know, two catcher leagues. One guy I'll mention, and then we'll talk about the uh, uh, guy that you put on our breakdown. Uh, I'll mention Yohel Pozo for the Rangers. Uh, he had been raking for their AAA affiliate was batting 337, 19 home runs and 63 RBI in 66 games. Started off hot when they, once they called them up, kind of, you know, leveled off a little bit, but only in two catcher leagues. But I, I like your choice better of Alejandro Kirk 
Blue Jays catcher available in, I think, over 95% of leagues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny is preseason, people loved Alejandro Kirk. Sure. This big, chubby bowling ball of a guy, like mm-hmm. Willens Osadio kind of sequel. Yeah. Uh, puts a lot of balls in play, walks a little more and strikes out a little more than Willens, who who was sort of this like 5% walk, 5% strikeout, and just running hard, La Tortuga kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Kirk... He's hitting 296 in August. It's a small sample, but his platoon mate, Reese McGuire, who should be on the big side of that platoon because he's a lefty, he's been dreadful lately. Mm -hmm. And coming up, the matchups for Toronto are better for righties than they are for lefties. Alejandro Kirk can hit for average. He's got more doubles power than home runs power. But when you're looking at catcher, you're looking at two things right now, mostly, right? You're looking at, does he play and does he get hits? Mm -hmm. With catcher, especially in deep leagues, that's all I care about. I don't care like, well, he's got more bad. It's empty batting average. It's batting average, right? right <laughs> in a two right, catcher right. league, it's batting average, right? Like that's what you need. Or like a 15 team, one catcher league, Alejandro Kirk, all of a sudden looks very appealing. If you've been rostering like a stalwart who just because he plays every day, like a Jacob Stallings, right? Mm-hmm. Alejandro Kirk is an upgrade right now. He can do those things. And like, you know, in a two catcher league, what I like about Pozo is he's not catching. Right. He's DHing. Right. <laughs> and and so while he did, you know, he leveled off a level. We're talking three games. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he, he went on like a, an 0 for 11 streak. Like, oh, no, uh, he uh, he strike. He only strikes out about once a game, which is good. And more importantly, he plays. He's playing like every day in mm-hmm. a two catcher league. All you need are the plate appearances. Right. They go up to the dish. They've got a shot. Mm-hmm. Right. Forget everything else. You don't want those guys that only play twice a week. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh with with a guy like Kirk, he's even more viable in a one catcher league because he's going to play, and when he plays, he's going to do something. Right. I don't really care if Pozo does anything because mm-hmm. if he gets one hit in a game, it's like, well, the other guy was sitting, so <laughs> I'll take the hit over the sit. Yes. Uh, but especially at this time of year when you're just running out of plate appearances that that can actually be there to help your team. So mm-hmm. I, I like Alejandro Kirk. I mean, I, I like Pozo too in those in those two catcher leagues. And again, we don't care about true talent as much right now. Right. We just don't. Now, Kirk has some cool talent. Barsho has cool talent. These are both guys we liked in the preseason. But like Opozo, I don't care what his long-term trajectory is. Mm-hmm. I care about that he's getting everyday DH plate appearances right now. He gets to go and play the day game after the night game because his knees don't hurt. Right? <laughs> play him. Yeah. He'll play Sunday, play right? He's not going to, you know, he's not going to take Sunday off. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's he's going to have like Sal Perez playing time. He's not going to mm-hmm. have Sal Perez production because that guy is just a freak. Mm-hmm. But he's going to keep playing because he's DHing. He's not taking help. He's not taking like foul tips off the mask. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the first base and corner infield position. I'm asking you who's on first. That's his name. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. Ah! I was looking at a guy that both of us panned earlier in the season who's really turned it around, and I still don't love him, but Miguel Sano rostered in about 45% of leagues, according to Fantasy Pro's uh, consensus roster percentages. And in his last 22 games, batting 284 with a 402 OBP, 580 slug, six home runs, 18 RBI, and we, we know this guy could really mash the ball we're not uh, surprised with the power right but up until july 25th he had a 37.1 k rate since then 
His K rate has dropped to 25.8, which by today's standards is uh, fantastic. I mean, for his standards, it's amazing. (laughs) He like, he can't help himself to swing and miss. He is routinely in like the bottom one to 2% of the league and strikeouts in whip percent and expected batting average. But when he does make contact, which again, isn't often, that's the problem. The guy just rips the baseball. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Miguel Sano is this guy who's really up and down and he's up right now. Like, you know, I can't, I can't hate on that. It's, it's funny. He almost has as many, uh, back-to-back days where he has like two, uh, two, you know, back-to-back days with home runs as he does just like home runs. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it seems like every time he hits a home run, the, one of the smartest bets is then to go in the next day and to whatever, you know, whatever betting is legal in your state. And just make a bet. Like, hey, I think he'll hit a home run tomorrow too. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he keeps doing it. So uh, it comes in bunches for Miguel Sano, and then he gets really, really cold. But he's a good example of matchups. If he's going up against some teams that don't have a lot of strikeout arms, love Miguel Sano. Mm-hmm. When he goes up against teams that do have those strikeout arms, I'm probably uh, letting him sit on the bench because he'll right. strike out a bazillion times. But that said, he is very valuable, especially if what you're looking for is power. And you're not caring about the strikeouts or the batting average Mm -hmm. because that stuff's never going to be good for any extended period of time, but the power will be right. He's the kind of guy that can like slug 500 like right now, the month of August, he's only hitting like 242, which is a hot month for him in batting average, but he's slugging 500, right? He's that kind of guy. He's a big ISO guy. So uh, that, which is good. Like it's very valuable in very specific situations. So I, I like the, he's the way you brought up in terms of looking at matchups, because a lot of the guys that we're going to talk about today, you really can't fall in love with them too much. Right. I mean, if you, if you added them in a, off the waiver wire, cause they were hot, then all of a sudden they turn cold again. I mean, this is the time where you really need to take a look at box scores every day and look at the production of uh, the guys on your roster. Cause don't fall in love with them. You know, Take them out of your lineups as soon as you can once they get cold because, look, like you said earlier, it's crunch time, right? So Frank Schwindel is another guy that you uh, put on the rundown. And Yahoo League's about 40% roster, 21% in ESPN. I like this guy, journeyman minor leaguer, 29 years old, playing first base for the Cubs in place of uh, the traded Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, you know, something really interesting about Schwindel is he's this guy where he's been at, like, there's, like, three different teams that have cut him and brought him back. Mm. And on one hand, like, they keep cutting him, so, like, that's a downer. When teams bring a guy back, it kind of means something. There's something they like about this guy. And they're not just bringing him back to, like, sit around in the minors. He gets to the major leagues for these teams multiple times in, like, non-consecutive years. He's, like, this weird Grover Cleveland kind of player for a lot of these teams. Like, non-consecutive years, they start him. Uh mm. Schwindel, he, you know, long time guy. I mean, he's even been with my Tigers twice. Um, but right now, uh, as of today, it's August 21st. It's a little afternoon. Um, he's got 15 RBI, which is tied for 10 most in the month of August. His OPS is north, or his OPS is a clean 110, right? And mm-hmm. again, not a huge talent, but they keep batting him in the middle of the order for the Cubs. And is it a good lineup? No, not at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll absolutely be targeting them with starting pitching. But he hits in the middle of the lineup. And let's be clear. This is late August. If a guy was really good where you could really fall in love with him, he'd already be rostered. Mm. At this point, you need a boost. Maybe you've yeah. had a player go down with injury. Maybe you, um, you've you just never really felt good about this. 
go ahead and stream him if he's got, especially with the soft matchups, but really he's going to keep playing and he's going to keep playing every day. He's going to keep playing in the middle of the order. I'd rather have that than a platoon guy right now. If I'm trying to catch up every yeah. plate appearance matters now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, it's a ticking clock. So Schwindel, he's in, he's in a nice spot and he's hitting well in a fairly hitter friendly ballpark. The top of the lineup is performing. I don't think they're good, but they're performing right now, which means he gets to drive those guys in like him and Rafael Ortega and strikeout machine, Patrick wisdom. They are hitting right. Mm-hmm. And Schwindel gets to bring them in. So I'm all, I'm all about that. Yeah. And uh, in his last 17 games, 15 RBI batting 390. So uh, uh, Christian Walker is another guy that you mentioned on the uh, rundown and then deeper leagues of uh, Phil Goslin, who's available in just about every league. Uh, he's available 95% of leagues. You know, with Phil Goslin, it's sort of like, don't lift, don't look this gift course gift or it's too close in the mouth, mm-hmm. right? Because he's he's available in over 95% of leagues. He's hitting in the middle of the order for an angels lineup. That's really top heavy, right? Like he's still hitting behind like Fletcher and Otani and these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's driving in runners. Is he a great hitter? Like a dynasty? asset? I don't think so. Probably not, but who cares? He's in the middle of the order for a team that can hit, right? Mm-hmm. They can't pitch worth a lick, but they can hit. You know, don't, don't think too hard. He's hot. He's hitting in the middle of the order. You can't get better than that on a team that's not terrible. Like, is the record great? No. Is his playing time going to change over time? Sure. Uh, but he's playing right now. He's sitting in the middle of the order right now. How many mm-hmm. number five guys for the Angels are there going to be, right? Like, for a team of that quality. This is not a Pittsburgh's fifth best, you know, number five guy. It's the Angels who yeah. have hitters. They have the best player in baseball, for crying out loud. Right. And he hits in the middle of that order. I absolutely like it. With Christian Walker, he's only available in about 70% of leagues. His thing is less that he's like this big talent. You kind of know what Christian Walker is. He had a he was a late breakout guy, like when he was 28. He really broke out. He's a little older. But uh, and I didn't, you know, I mentioned this with Varsho. It's a weak schedule coming up. He hits in the middle of that order, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not rocket science. Decent hitter with good matchup. Yes, play, right? Especially in that corner infield slot. So uh, those are two guys I like for for now. Because mm-hmm. again, the strategy here is not thinking like rest of season. It's how about the next week to two weeks? Yeah, I like, and I those like guys, that. Yeah. Those guys can do it for the next week to two weeks. Now, if you're in like first and cruising, think long-term. Mm-hmm. You're in fifth and trying to get to fourth or sixth and trying to make sure you still make the playoffs one or two weeks at a time. And mm-hmm. these guys can help you for the next one to two weeks. Yeah. How about uh, Heimer Candelario? Uh, since we're talking corner infielders, third baseman for your Detroit Tigers, 36% rostered uh, according to Fantasy Pro's consensus stats. Uh, 276, 10 home runs, 47 RBI in his last 114 games. Uh, much better against left-handed pitching, 302 this season compared to a decent 267 against right-handed batters. And uh, after July 4th, he kind of declared his independence from striking out as much, right? Up until July 4th, he was striking out 23.9% of the time. Since then, dropped that to 18.1. And in his uh, last 41 games, batting 309 with a 386 OBP and a 559 slug. Yeah, the candy man. Uh, he was the main piece and actually the Nick Castellanos trade to the Cubs. Uh, big, big fan of what Candy's doing right now. He's hitting like, you know, he's actually moved up in the order. He had been kind of like five, six, and now he's kind of crept up to three, four, right? Mm-hmm. In this order that, again, 
is more top heavy. The Tigers aren't a great team, but they're a better hitting team than you think. They're really a middle of the pack hitting team. And he hits in the middle of this lineup. A lot of guys ahead of him that can really get on base like Robbie Grossman. Akil Badu will be back soon. He's another guy that can really get on base and cause trouble. Uh, so big fan of the Candyman. He's going to keep playing every day. Uh, of course, Jonathan Scope has been also very good and he's hitting right around him. So he, he's actually Love piling scope. up. Yeah, he's he's getting more counting stats than you'd really think from a team with a record as bad as the Tigers because A.J. Hinch has done a heck of a job keeping these guys motivated and playing. So big fan of Candelario. You don't have to worry about the matchups like you mentioned all that much. So uh, it's a really nice piece. And again, while they're facing tough teams to beat, they're not facing teams that are super tough on the pitching side. Right. Like mm-hmm. those, I talked about school like, Oh, he's going to play the blue Jays. I'm not as afraid of the blue Jays on the pitching side. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're more middle of the pack in terms of pitching, especially the back half of the rotation. So yep. all about the candy man, if you can go get him. All right. Let's move over to the middle infield position. Pretty deep in fantasy, but you picked out a few good names here in shallow leagues. Luis arise uh, for the twins. He's available in uh, more than 65% of leagues. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is another guy that we both agree on and uh, Miguel Rojas in, in shallow leagues. Yeah. I want to start with Luis Arias. I, I talk him up all the time. He's like the anti Miguel Sano, right? He doesn't make super hard contact all the time. He's not barreling it up, but no one is better at avoiding whiffs than mm-hmm. Luis Arias. He's got okay sprint speed. He doesn't chase. Uh, he doesn't, again, he doesn't hit the ball hard all the time, but part of that's because he hits the ball so often expected batting average is 297 actual batting average is even better. It's 313. He continues to hit better as the year goes. I love the high contact approach, but this is a fun stat again, not much power here, but he hasn't had back to back starts without a hit since April. Wow. The end of April. <laughs> he has a hit every other day. This is a it's a really good high contact player, especially if you're in a spot where, hey, I, I need some runs. I need some batting average. Luis Arias, there's no better spot. He can play second. He can play third. He can play outfield, depending on your format. He can at least play two of those no matter where you play. Uh, big fan of Luis, Luis Arias. Again, it's more doubles power than home run power, but this is a guy who really ought to be rostered in more leagues than this. Hmm. And uh, Ahmed Rosario, you and I both agree uh, that he's someone to look at and at the uh, shortstop position, also outfield eligible too. Yeah, which which was an interesting development this season. Uh, I really thought, you know, coming in that he was going to lose more playing time to Andres Jimenez, but Jimenez went to the minors for a long time. He is back up now, but he's not impacting Rosario's playing time. The bat's hot. And look, he hasn't hit a home run this month yet, uh, but he's got eight doubles and two triples. What that generally means, like when you see a guy with a ton of extra base hits and not a lot of home runs, especially a guy who has a history of hitting like 15 to 20 home runs, it generally means he's just like just missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's still hitting for a lot of power. He's going to get some home runs soon, so I'm not too worried about that. And what I really like is that he's locked into the number two spot of this order. Is that great? Not necessarily. The the future, the the team who will soon be known as the Guardians uh, (laughs) don't have this really hot offense, but... He's going to rack up plate appearances. And what have I been saying? Plate appearances matter. There's only so many available at this point in the season. You know, back in May, we could say, well, it'll be a wash. You will all, we'll all get there. You don't say that about six weeks. Plate appearances matter. Hitting mm-hmm. second matters for a team that does have an okay top half of the lineup. And when we talk about the outfield, they'll talk about even more reasons why uh, the top of this lineup can kind of keep turning around. 
because of, of some speedsters they keep up there. And, and, you know, I will say, maybe this is a good time to say it. Like what you can find late in the season is teams do things differently than they'd done before. And while Rosario hasn't stolen many bases himself, the Cleveland, the Cleveland soon to be known as guardians have 21 steals in the month of August. That's only behind one team. The Royals who have 22 mm-hmm. crazy. I didn't mention him on our list. I'm just going to mention him now. Nikki Lopez. Yeah. This really like minor, you know, you know, sort of quad a style middle infielder. He's got seven steals in the last two weeks, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. With Cleveland, they've got a couple guys with a lot of steals that we'll talk about in just a bit, but they are running like crazy because they're just trying to win games. So they're running like crazy. Ahmed Rosario has the ability to do that. They're using other guys for it right now, but steals are really in the cards because they are not shy about running. And we really want to see like what teams are doing. Cause some teams aren't running at all. Mm-hmm. The Padres, Rockies, Red Sox, and twins combined have five steals. Because the Padres have two and everyone else has one, right? Cleveland's running like crazy. I think there's steals there for Ahmed Rosario. The bat's hot. He's hitting second. It's a really nice situation for anyone looking for a little bit of power, a little bit of steals, and plenty of plate appearances. Yeah. Even the Yankees are running. Uh, uh, Aaron Judge had a couple of stolen bases this week. Uh, Taylor Wade has been stealing bases for them. So uh, <laughs> just anytime I could mention the Yankees, you know. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think it's a good point to make that. <laughs> Teams run in two situations. Either they're hot or they're desperate. (laughs) Then they run. Cleveland's desperate. Yankees are hot. Um, I'm going to bring up a couple of names and uh, then you could talk, uh, finish off the middle infield position. I was looking into Jonathan India and then I realized, man, this guy's owned in like 80% of leagues. But uh, if you're looking for, let's say, a DFS lineup or, you know, Jonathan India batting 344 against left-handed pitching. Uh, Brendan Rodgers from the Rockies, 18% ownership, according to Fantasy Pro's consensus stats. And uh, you need to do like a, a rolling chart on this. One of your famous rolling charts, because if you look, May batted 192, uh, July 256, then June 308. August 356. Overall numbers are good, but what I've noticed is that he's been a, a little bit more aggressive uh, lately, swinging more, and because he does have a good hit tool, he's producing more. So uh, you know, it's just something to think about that uh, sometimes good hitters who swing more are going to be more productive. I guess it, it makes sense. Um, Josh Rojas from the uh, Diamondbacks, 48% rostered, had missed some time due to a dislocated pinky finger. If you look at his uh, last couple weeks, uh, batting 459 with a 500 OBP, uh, four doubles and seven RBI. So uh, just going to throw those guys out there. And you had also mentioned in real deep leagues, Carter Kaboom. Yeah, so I will say real quick about Brendan Rodgers, your your uh, your eye is not failing you. He is swinging quite a bit more, like ten percent more mm-hmm. than he had been earlier this season. Especially when you look at like a fifteen game rolling average on that swing percent. Guy swinging like crazy, and what's it done? It's also helped him get that slugging back that had sort of dropped off for a little bit. So so that's a really big thing, and it's nice to see that the Rockies are starting to earn tiny bits of trust back and not jerking around young players quite as much between him and a guy like Connor Joe who's getting some opportunities. Uh, so it's nice to see that. I don't trust them yet because they're insane, mm-hmm. but um, I, I like seeing that. And I will talk about Carter Keboom because he's a one-time favorite of our favorite, Shelly Verstrait, who was yep. on the show. Yep. Friend of the show, yes. uh, Shelly Verstrait, yes. um, who is excellent with prospects. She was once a big Carter Keboom fan, and then he just could not hit for power in the major leagues. But he has a 128 
weighted run created plus this month. And he's actually showing a little bit of that power. He's slugging like around the 450 range for the month. He's finding those doubles. It's not a ton of home runs, but he's finding some doubles, a couple home runs here and there. So this was once like a top 10 prospect for a lot of people, not just Shelly. So it's very interesting that he's doing as well as he is. He's getting a lot of opportunity and he's available in more than 90% of leagues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move over to the outfield and uh, you have a couple of guys that you mentioned uh, that are available for shallow leagues. Lewis Brinson was a, a guy that was really focused on waiver wire ads over the past week or so. Miles Straw uh, for the uh, future Guardians, over 50% available. And uh, talk about Ortega as well. Uh, speed seems to be uh, what we're looking at here in the outfield. Yeah, and so, you know, this is one of those things where I keep saying, don't worry about true talent. Ortega, I don't project this bat to be this good, but he can run. The guy can run. That's real. So there is a real skill there that's useful, even if the bat starts getting a little colder. He's available in more than 50% of leagues. He has stolen three bases lately. Uh, he's hit a couple home runs, and he's hitting in, in the middle of an order, and that's plate appearances. Is it mm -hmm. a good order? No, it's the Cubs. But he can run. He's hitting right now, even if people, you know, even if pitchers and if pitchers figure him out in a week, at least you got another week's worth of production out of the guy. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's someone I'm interested in. Of course, Miles Straw, future guardian. Um, he's just another speedster. And again, this team is running only two teams running as much as Cleveland. They're mm -hmm. running like crazy. Straw was actually a guy that a, uh, that a friend of mine, Rich Holman had predicted could win the. Uh, AL stolen base title. Now he's not going to do that. He was originally projected to be the leadoff man for the Astros. It didn't work out, but he's hitting enough for Cleveland, getting on base enough for Cleveland. Like there's more bat here than like a Billy Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. Sacrifice some speed. You get more bat. He can take some walks. He can put the ball in play. And when he gets on base, they're going to let him run. So if you need steals, Miles Straw, really good name there. And then of course, Lewis Brinson, um, he's cut the strikeout rate a lot. He was actually once, you know, he was the big trade uh, for Miami. When Miami got rid of Yelich, he was the centerpiece, Lewis mm -hmm. Brinson, who was looking like a potential failed prospect in Milwaukee. They picked him up. Then he did not look so good. I, look, I expect him to run really hot and cold. He's a really aggressive swinger, uh, but he has cut down the strikeouts. It's helped unlock a lot of that power. He's a middle of the order bat. And as I keep saying, that's hard to find, right? Yes, it's the Marlins, not a great lineup, but this is something that, you know, a guy that I could have talked about more with the middle infield is Miguel Rojas, the slap hitting leadoff guy, Lewis Brinson hits behind him. He can still drive in some runs. Mm -hmm. That's probably a whole lot more than someone else hitting eighth or ninth will. So uh, that's, you know, he's another guy that I do kind of like in more of the shallow leagues. Cause he's only available in about 60% of them at this point. Cause he has gotten quite a bit of hype. Yeah. Uh, you know what I like is that uh, these names here that you uh, put on the rundown in the outfield, a lot of them, uh, I either currently roster or I have, I, I've, you know, I was higher on straw earlier in the season, but like you said, um, there was some speculation that he was going to be a leadoff, uh, bat leadoff for the Astros, but that didn't happen. But uh, currently roster Brinson in the deep league. Um, and a couple of these guys that you're going to mention now, Yadiel Hernandez, love Yadiel Hernandez <laughs> and uh, Bradley Zimmer as well. Uh, Bradley Zimmer is another guy that could run. And Corey Dickerson, you and I both agree on, especially with George Springer going back down on the IL. Looks like, especially against right-handed pitching, he's going to get regular at-bats. Yeah, so with Dickerson, I do think he's only going to play against righties. Kevin Smith is eating into the playing time a little. He was recently called up back on the 18th. But 
when it's a righty on the mound, it's going to be Corey Dickerson. And Corey Dickerson is still Corey Dickerson, mm-hmm. right? You knew him when he was a Rocky. You knew him when he was a Ray. You knew him when he was all the other teams he's been on. He's been a pirate. He's been all kinds of things. What he does <laughs> is he puts the ball in play. He hits for a good batting average and enough power. More of a doubles and home runs guy at this point, but he still does it. And you know what? He doesn't hit that low in the order for the Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. right? Like I keep saying, oh yeah, I want a guy who's second, third. Like six for the Blue Jays is kind of like a third for everyone else, right? This is a deep lineup. He's going to get to keep hitting there. Um, Better in daily when you can sit him against the tough lefties. He's going to face some of them coming up. Like I I think he's probably going to draw a couple soon, but. Uh, he is going to play against every righty DFS. You got to get him in. Uh, and then in, you know, even regular leagues, if he's facing four or five righties in a week, just lock him in. Mm-hmm. He'll be just fine. And why doesn't anyone want to roster Yadiel Hernandez? We I talked do. about him last I do. episode. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Right. The plate discipline's excellent. He's available in over 95% of the league still. And mm-hmm. yeah, the counting stats aren't great because the nationals aren't great right now, but he's hitting 346, 417, 538 this month. He plays, you know, and that stat line plays everywhere. He mm-hmm. only sits like once a week when a really tough lefty comes up. I don't get it. He, he's, this is a fifth out. If you need five outfielders, this is your fifth outfielder. I yes. almost guarantee he's better than the one you've got unless you mm-hmm. absolutely stack the position. He's doing better than that. So just play him. Bradley Zimmer, what I like. Former first rounder. He was once like a top 50 prospect like four to five years ago. Injuries have really derailed his career. He's got three, four, three home runs, four steals this month. Cleveland's letting him run. He strikes out a lot, but again, if you're in the need for like speed and a little bit of power, you just need that, you know, the, the pop and speed he's got it. And that's a fifth outfielder, mm-hmm. right? Like Yadiel Hernandez. I like, but he doesn't run like Zimmer does. And if that's something you need, go look at Bradley Zimmer again, available in over 95% of leagues, a guy who can get you the home runs and steals that you may need, right? Yeah. Not great in points leagues due to the strikeouts. His on base ability is okay. At best. He doesn't walk quite as much as you hope for a guy who strikes out over 30% of the time. But every time he's on base, they're sending him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Yadio Hernandez plays in the same outfield as Juan Soto. You put down an interesting stat about Juan Soto, who's, you know, in that uh, Mike Trout and Tatis uh, tier, you know, just automatic uh, in your lineup. But would you say he was walking at a 36% clip? Yeah, you know, he's walking at this ridiculous rate. And like, again, if you're facing the Nationals, why would you ever pitch to, why would you ever pitch to Juan Soto, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's why he's walking 34.9% of the time this month. Right, right. Uh, but again, because why would you ever pitch to him? No one else in this lineup is that scary. And again, it's giving guys like Carter Keboom a shot. Yadiel Hernandez is getting a shot because they're just walking Juan Soto and they won't let him touch a baseball. Yeah. But again, it's interesting to see how teams approach this in August and September. And the things you know about teams are changing yeah, because they're going to do weird stuff. And there's nothing you can really like do about it besides pay attention, mm-hmm. pay attention to the weird stuff teams are doing. The Royals have no real reason to try so hard and steal a bunch of bases and get put guys on track to be injured. Like, why do they want like one of the best players on their team, Whit Merrifield running all the time? No good reason, except that these are grown men who are professional athletes who want to win games. And if they're going to win games, it's because they need Nicky Lopez and Whit Merrifield running every time they get on base. Mm-hmm. Right? So teams are going to do that weird stuff. Juan Soto walking 34.9% of the time is kind of a bummer in batting average leagues and in standard leagues because it means he's not getting hits. But that means the guys hitting around him, like Carter Keboom, Yadiel Hernandez, that means they've got a chance to drive in a guy, right? With more speed than you might think for a slugger. So it, it is something to look at. It's something to really think about. And again, Keep keep looking at how teams change late in the season. The trade deadline's over. 
they either know that they're making the playoffs or they're in a hunt for the playoffs or they know they can't possibly make it right. Like I'm really interested to see how Baltimore runs their team having lost 16 friggin' games in a row, right? <laughs> they're going to start doing weird stuff because mm-hmm. teams losing a bunch of games do weird stuff. Right. So keep an eye on it and see yeah. if you can get like fantasy profit out of it. Here's something weird. Maybe they'll win a game. That, that'd well, be a no, weird that's thing, too right? weird. Don't get crazy now. <laughs> Uh, so let's uh, before we head off today, talk a little bit uh, pitching here and the strategy. And uh, one of the things that you're recommending, especially when it comes to starting pitching, is don't look too far ahead in terms of, you know, starting pitching. Just maybe kind of take a look at the next week or so of potential starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something our really our whole site is going to be shifting to. Nick's rankings are going to start really focusing on rest of season. We've got a great article about expected starting pitching matchups. We just had one post uh, yesterday, I think. Um, so something to always look at, see who's coming up. For example, Dallas Keuchel, if for some reason you're rostering him, which is two-thirds of leagues, um, his next three matchups are at Toronto, then at home versus Pittsburgh, and then at Oakland. Those are not like two of those three offenses are not what I want to run into. I'd much rather have a guy like Tanner Hoke, who's available in over 70% of leagues. Nick ranks him as a top 40 starting pitcher right now because of the matchups coming up. He's going to draw the twins and the future guardians this next week. Those Mm -hmm. are great matchups for a starting pitcher. Yes. I know I've recommended several uh, future guardians, but it's because they run not because they hit, Mm. they don't hit that well, right? Like, do I think Tanner Hoke can, can navigate around Bradley Zimmer and Ahmed Rosario? Yes, I do, right? The Indians have been hit no hit several times. It's been a fun joke for us all season. Uh, That's something I'd rather have. Uh, Or like uh, in a deeper league, like a Ronaldo Lopez, available in over 90% of leagues. He's been excellent in long relief since they called him up. They just stretched him out to be a starter. I don't love that Rays matchup he's got coming up, but it's not terrible. The Rays aren't like this super crush offense. And after that, he gets the Cubs and Pirates. And again, I recommended some pirates because they hit in the middle of an order. But like, again, do I think Reynaldo Lopez can quiet Frank Schwindel for a day? Sure, I do. Of course I do. <laughs> so it's something, you know, he's got great velocity. It's something, you know, he's always been a somewhat tantalizing fantasy guy, like a fringe guy. So like all those things are possible. And just don't like, don't think too hard about true talent. Now, mm-hmm. if you're like me and you love Tarek Skubal, because you should, because he's great. Like <laughs> you can have that personal attachment when you're looking at this like a business, like look at the matchups again, there are players who are matchup proof. And mm-hmm. then there's a bunch of guys who aren't let them go, let yeah. them go yeah, and pick up something better for the near future. Cause you're trying to win games for the next six weeks, not the next three months. Yeah. When you say let it go reminds me, I think the frozen, the Disney movie, but um, a couple of guys that I'm looking at and now, after what you said, I really need to look at their future matchups, but uh, I'm going to just throw them out there. Tyler Gilbert, who pitched that no-hitter a, a week or two, uh, was a, a little over a week ago for the Diamondbacks. Drew Rasmussen for uh, Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, he's only going just about four innings uh, a start. And Miles Mikolas came back for the Cardinals. But uh, I love the fact that you mentioned uh, that we really need to look at their matchups at this time of the year. So I'm just throwing them out there. But once we uh, stop recording, I'm going to check out to see who their next starts are against. Uh, what about relief pitchers? Uh, what kind of strategy are you using there at this time of year? Yeah, so I want to know, sort of like the starters, who plays bad teams? But even if they have a good offense, who plays bad teams? Mm-hmm. Because that's where the save opportunities come in, right? Who plays bad teams? One example of a team that never can beat anybody by a lot because the run differential is terrible is the Mariners, right? 
They play everybody tight, no matter how bad they are. They'll play the Royals tight, just like they'll play the Astros tight. It's bizarre, right? So their, to me, best closing candidate is Paul Sewald. Mm-hmm. He's rostered in 33% of Yahoo leagues, only 14% of ESPN leagues for some reason. And yeah, he's had a blow up or two, but the stuff is electric. There's only three relievers with at least 40 innings pitch who have a better strikeout rate or a better strikeout minus walk rate. Those three guys, you might've heard of them. Their names are Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, and Liam Hendricks. Hmm. Right? <laughs> like he, his stuff is elite. <laughs> it's not a perfect schedule. He does get the Royals. Then he's got, and he's got two sets against the Diamondbacks for his next six series, but he's also going to draw the Astros twice. Not a lot of saves to be had there against the Astros. Although if they ever beat the Astros, it's likely to be a save opportunity. They're not going to do it by much. They can certainly beat up on the Royals and Diamondbacks. So, you know, that's, that's a guy I'm really looking at to get save opportunities. I think he's just better than the other options they have. And also an opponent for the Mariners coming up. Uh, or the Royals, and Scott Barlow. He's only rostered in 25% of Yahoo leagues, 17% of ESPN leagues. Look, the team is bad, but Barlow's their best ninth-inning guy. And Greg Holland just went down. His only competition now is a young lefty with a really high walk rate. When you're a team that can barely win games, are you going to send in a guy who walks a bunch? Absolutely not, right? So the Royals are going to draw the Mariners soon. And he's also going to get a bunch of games against the lesser half of the AL Central. And like, while the Tigers are an okay offense, they're not a good team overall. It's a team the Royals can beat a few times. They've got a four game set against the team we were just making fun of to open September, Baltimore Orioles. There's a couple wins right there that are likely going to be close, mm-hmm. right? So, so Barlow's a guy who can really get some, who can really get some saves. And I do think that when the team really feels like they can win this game, they want Barlow out there because again. Just because their team's not good doesn't mean you're just going to try anyone else out there. You think these grown men, these professional athletes with real, you know, with like real personalities, real pride, want to lose games? Absolutely not, right? Like they know their team is bad, but they're still going to try to win a game, right? And if you want to win a game, it's Scott Barlow. Yeah. So that's really their option. And then if you're in a really deep league, like he's Ross, you know, he's only rostered in eight percent of Yahoo, five percent of ESPN. David Bednar, I think he's the best option for the Pirates right now to to get saves. This coming week, he's going to get the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals. And then after that, he'll have like a two-game set against the White Sox, which is gross. But then he gets a bunch of Cubs, Tigers, and Nats. Those are teams that the Pirates... The Pirates can't beat very many teams, but they can win a couple. And if they're going to win a couple, it's going to be, get, going to be against teams like the Cubs, Tigers, and Nationals. Mm-hmm. So I do think he's the best option in their pen. Chris Stratton's not been good. The other guys have tried have not been good. Bednar's the best one they got. And if you're desperate for saves... I think you could get three to five for the rest of the season. And mm-hmm. that might be a difference maker. Yep. It yep. really might, especially, you know, for that last streamer that's not been working out for you or that middle reliever who's just holding down your ratios, cut them, go get David Bednar. Yeah. And just to follow up with uh, what you had said about uh, Seawald and, and, and the Mariners, if he's not available, take a look at uh, Drew Steckenrider, who uh, has uh, five, saves on the season and since august 8th has a couple and a hold if you play in holds leagues and uh has a overall 2.06 era another guy who i was surprised to see that he's only rostered in 33 percent of cbs sports leagues is michael gibbons now the reds bullpen has really given fantasy baseball managers fits because you know one minute it's Emil Garrett closing out games and it's Lucas Sims. And, but it looks like that uh, Michael Givens has settled in as the closer. And like I said, take a chance. It depends on the size of your league. I mean, uh, like I said, 33% uh, rostered in CBS sports leagues. 
Yeah, Givens is really interesting because home runs have always been a problem, but he's not given one up since July 17th. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, he hadn't given one up. Like, he didn't give one up in all of June. He mm-hmm. didn't play a lot, but he hadn't given one up. He strikes out a lot of guys. He walks a little more than you'd like. But look, he's hot right now. Yep. And in his his last five appearances, four of them have been saves. Mm-hmm. And he's only allowed one hit. Yeah. The guy's really on fire. I know the Reds bullpen's been frustrating, but if he's out there in your league and you need saves, the Reds are the Reds are really trying to play hard right now. I think mm-hmm. Givens is the guy for saves right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't bring a guy out for four saves and five appearances unless he's your closer. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's closer type usage. So uh, definitely a guy I think you're really right to call out. That's a player who, even in shallower leagues, if you need saves, go get him. And he's yeah. always going to strike guys out. And I think the main thing about like Sewald and Barlow uh, and even Bednar to an extent, the other thing is if they're not getting saves, they're doing something. Mm-hmm. Sewald, if he's not getting a save, he's getting one or two strikeouts. That's yeah. just what the guy does. He gets a strikeout like every appearance, right? Because mm-hmm. he strikes out almost half the guys he faces, right? As long as he faces three guys, he's getting a strikeout. That's just the way it is when you have a 41.9% strikeout rate. So uh, those are all guys like they, they'll do stuff even when they don't get the save. Look, the locked-in closers, they're all gone. They're mm-hmm. all gone. But there are guys like this who are out there that can still help you and and get some saves. Yeah. And, you know, something else that is a good idea to do, I think, maybe at this point of the season, if you really need to, take a look at some relief pitchers who pitch sometimes maybe four-plus innings a week that have high strikeout per nine uh, numbers, right? I mean, some of them could put up better numbers than a mediocre starting pitcher that has a bad matchup. Absolutely. You know, Joe, you and I do plug the articles that we write every week. Both of our stuff, you know, our things come out on Monday. There's actually an article that comes out every day, uh, which is the, the relief. You know, basically we have this great chart that shows you all the relievers, their recent usage, and it talks a lot about long relievers for teams who could very well get some usage that day. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. We've got a whole team of guys. We have like five or six guys that write this article led by our, um, you know, led by our, you know, relief pitching guru. It's really well done. It's nice and color coded. It's, it's a really good thing. I think that everybody should really pay attention to, because if you're trying to poach wins, you're trying to uh, micromanage your bullpen, that chart, that bullpen chart that we make every morning is really going to help you do that, and it can be the difference, especially in a tight race for your playoffs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff. And any other parting wisdom before we go there, Scott? Nah, just good luck, folks. Like it, it's hard right now. Lots of things can happen. The last thing I will say is the you have one advantage going for you if everyone else doesn't pay attention, and it's that only about half your league is paying attention at this point. Yeah, between football and not having a good team, mm-hmm. they've stopped paying attention. That means. You really can take advantage of the streamers now. This is the streaming time. Great point. You can be faster. You're not competing against 10, 10 other players. You're competing against five, six, maybe. Some of them, if they're like locked in at first, might not be paying as close of attention right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they've turned their, you know, they turn their eye to football and they're in a couple drafts. Beat them. You can do it. I like this that. This is the time. If you've beat been them. close, you can beat them. Yes, you, you can, can beat them by outworking them. You mm-hmm. can't outwork someone in April can't outwork someone in may but you can outwork somebody now so Mm -hmm. go do it yep great point great point and great stuff as always from my man scott chu follow him at if the chew fits follow me at joe galena follow our podcast at hacks and jacks pl and please if there's anything specific that you'd like for us to cover 
just reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, follow at Pitcherless Pods. You'll be informed anytime a new episode on the network drops. And subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a stellar five-star review. As always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.